And welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with my friend Morris Sachs. How you doing, MB? It's great to see you. It's great to be back. Thank you for uh, thanking management for giving you and I a much needed week off. Yep. Right. And we're right back with them giving me the cut the music off at two minutes and I wave them off so they can we'll put them right back in their place. This is our show. You know, um, I got a call from somebody uh, when they saw the Twitter post uh, <laughs> about the uh, weekend at Bernie's comparing it to uh, Diane Feinstein. <laughs> and I, I had to explain. I said, look, we got a team of people <laughs> working on this stuff and it cleared legal. And, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want to, we don't want to, <laughs> you know, block people's creative talents. I mean, that's that's what we're all about here. Inclusion, equality, right? Like yep. Goldman Sachs. Yep. Yeah, we'll have a fair. We'll have an inclusion show next weekend. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know what occurred to me? I, I'm back riding my bike. Uh, one of the reasons we got a pass last weekend is I, after a long hiatus, I rejoined the Gimbals group ride. I see that. And I am proud 
to say that I made it over the first climb and I made it to about the halfway part of the second climb. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the uh, engines cut out <laughs> and uh, I made it home. But, yep. uh, Good. you know, that's that's part of the rule number five of cycling. And if, as I said to uh, uh, my sister this morning, I said, are you familiar with rule number five? And she says, yes, I am. And I said, you know, think about what a great place it would be if if people lived by, by rule number five so um but here we are there's you know on one hand i guess there's nothing going on and on the other hand there's a lot going on yeah um what what, what uh, is that what, what's going on i don't know <laughs> well so uh for a long time we have been urging caution and um if time allows, I'll go through the psycho babble as to why old chestnut is usually early at urging caution. Mm -hmm. People may or may not find that interesting. I don't know if it'll make the final cut when Lena does the mm -hmm. editing. But um, so you got Stanley Druckenmuller, Jamie Diamond urging caution, Warren Buffett kind of saying things are sort of screwed up, I think, at yeah. some level. Mm -hmm. And then you got old Chestnut here saying, you know, what's wrong with a 4% two-year note? Pretty much nothing, right? Nothing. I, nothing. I, don't, I don't think so. Um, Except for the default. Does the, the default worry you about the two-year? No, nah, I'm not worried about the default. Okay. I, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it might not create a tremendous amount of chaos, but um, you young kids don't carry much cash around with you anymore, right? It's all electronic. Never. Yeah. Well, I brought a little for, since it's a podcast, you won't be able to see it, but I'm showing it to Liam. This is a $20 bill. I remember those. Yeah. And at the top of it, it says federal reserve note. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, this is an obligation of the United States government, no different than the seven-year note that gets auctioned or this or that. It's just a note with zero duration. Yep. Okay. So, you know, if they default, are you not going to take the tw this $20 bill? Somebody will. Yeah. And I ain't giving it away unless I get... $20 worth of goods and services. You're not taking $17.99? So, <laughs> I'm open to negotiations, but okay. I'm not I'm not going to negotiate against myself. Okay. <laughs> so um yeah, you, you might cause some chaos, and I'm I'm sort of looking for chaos uh and hoping for it. You know, it's funny you mentioned age, you know, somebody on, I forget who it was. It might've been Doug Cass or somebody on, on Bloomberg that said for anyone that's working as a banker or in finance, that's under the age of, I pick a number. I think he said like 45 or something. He was like, you aren't, you have no experience in a high rate environment. Like you weren't cognizant or aware of what was going on in 87. You weren't boots on the ground then or pick, you know, pick a timeline. And he said, these people are just not 
familiar with this en environment. And now there's the working and operating in a world with gravity where before there was no gravity. I think that was Taleb that said that. There's a lot of moving parts here. We received a question from one of our subscribers. By the way, I got a number of calls and emails asking for a refund for the missed show <laughs> and um, the checks in the mail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but somebody wrote me a note and he said he tried to do a bond trade on, uh, I forget the name of the website. I want to say Ameritrade. Yeah, yeah but, I think you're right. You're uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Something, one of those. They're all the same. Um, and every time he, I guess, went to hit done, they, they, they pulled the offer. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, I'd like to expand upon this, keeping in mind anyone who knows me personally or has worked with me or has listened to the show. Um, you know, I've lived my life under the notion that Chicken Little wasn't wrong, just early. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm proud that, you know, I survived Orange County. I survived the, you know, the Asian currency crisis. I survived LTCM. I served 9-11. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if it was one or two, you'd say it's a coincidence, but the, we're well past that. And, and, you know, call a trader's intuition, call it what you will. And some people will chuckle when they hear me say that. But the fact of the matter is there's times when you don't need to be in the market. And this is this is clearly to me one of them. So, for instance, I spoke to now my uh, only broker, and uh, um, I said, uh, "Is it true that I've not done one trade this week?" And um, she said, "Yeah, it's true," and I. I said, when's the last time that happened? And she's pretty much like, I, I, I don't remember. So, wow. Wow. so apparently I, wow. I Google, I Googled change in behavior and I came up with, I might have had a stroke. <laughs> okay. But so if, Part of my face droops. I, I'm looking. I start drooling. I know. Or slurring more, more than, my words. More than usual. More yeah. than usual. Yeah. Or you'll you'll let me know. Um, I. Uh, nothing. You got nothing this week. You wouldn't nothing. I didn't. I didn't do. I didn't do a stinking trade. I have some risk on, and it's not a lot different than it's been in the past. I have some floating rate notes, and some bank preferreds. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, some kind of longer dated credit stuff that I think is well supported. Mm -hmm. But the key here, and this is what I would like to emphasize, is there's different kinds of investors. Okay. There's long only investors like myself, and I'm assuming you are probably in that camp. And then there are people who uh, invite leverage. And that can be as simple as some guy owning 
options on a security or uh, you may not know this, but if you short a security, that requires a margin account, which is leveraged. And, and any time you move into a margin account, okay, do your own research, check with your own lawyer. But in my mind, anytime in general, you open a brokerage account, but specifically you open a margin account, you give up all your rights. You're in big trouble. Yeah. You got, you got nothing. Yeah. Okay. Deleting the and... app, deleting the app doesn't save you. <laughs> okay. It's not a thing, fellas. And, um, once again, I'm not trying to be the guy that, you know, walked to high school 10 miles uphill into the snow south every day. But the, yeah, the, the rough and tumble south side of Chicago, or Chirac, I guess yeah, as they call it now. But, um, you know, people get lulled into this false sense of security. So let's talk about our listener uh, with the Ameritrade. And, and in no way am I making fun of this person. Quite the contrary. I think yep. it's an excellent point and I, I think leads to what I want to get to, which is people get very familiar with the environment with which and with within they work. It, it just... It's standard operating procedure. One day leads to the next. And for most people, okay, not pejorative, but for most people, they want to sell their X number of shares of XYZ. They bring up their Ameritrade, E-Trade, Schwab, yada, 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 whatever. And they put in a market order. They put a limit order. They click send. And, you know, within a blink of an eye, the thing's, the thing's done, right? Well, so here we have a person that was trying to do a treasury security, mm -hmm. which arguably the most liquid market in the world. The argument comes down to time and place more than anything else. But, and they got the, you know, bonds have been repriced. Okay. Well, I'm assuming, given that the world hasn't crashed in the last week or so, that it was a relatively orderly market and the, the price just moved. So for the average guy, if you're long only, like you and me, and you have wild swings, you're not under any pressure to do anything. If you're margined, okay, you're under pressure to do something because if it's working, fair enough. If it's not working, they're drawn down on your margin. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. a little bit like the uh, Michael Clayton, you know, when the phone rings and the guy says, is that the police? And he says, no, the police don't call. The margin clerks don't call. Yeah, yeah. Right. They they do what they got to do now for the institutional guys out there who fancy themselves big swinging dicks and they know better. OK. Um, 
you're worse off. And, and I'll explain to you why. Because you have bigger positions, okay? And you have lulled yourself into this false sense of security that, well, I may have 22 trades on, but if the world blows up, I own gold, let's say, yeah. okay? Or I own front-end euros or yeah. something like that, okay? Yeah, yeah. What they don't get is the fact that when shit starts to move, like in a panic, people aren't willing to cross-collateralize things. So, for instance, let's say you are long a swap and hope interest rates go down. And you have that swap on with Morgan Stanley. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm going to use names, but I'm pulling them out of the hat. Okay. So catastrophe strikes and your long swap with Morgan Stanley yields a tremendous profit. Okay. So you call up Morgan Stanley because that's who you have the swap on with. And you would say, I'd like my money, please. And Morgan Stanley will say, I'll pay you $4 million. And you look down and say, well, it's worth 10 million. And Morgan Stanley says, well, not to me. And you're like, okay, fuck you. I'm never doing another trade with you. I'm going to call Goldman Sachs. Okay. And you say, I have a swap on with Morgan Stanley. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd like to sell you this swap. What price will you pay for it? And Goldman Sachs says, we're not taking Morgan Stanley's name. Could that happen? It it happened to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now you have a trade with a big profit on it that if you can unwind, okay, that's great. You're probably giving up a huge portion of your profit because the bid offer spread widens. And, and let's say now, for example, Goldman gives you a good bid. You, you, you sell it to them. So now you have a long with Morgan Stanley and you have a short with Goldman Sachs. Mm -hmm. The process, if I remember correctly, you would do something called an ovation. You would say, okay, listen, we're all friends. We're going to take MB out of the middle. Now that trade is from Morgan Stanley to Goldman Sachs, and I disappear. But in a crisis, nobody's letting you do novations. Mm -hmm. So now Morgan Stanley is sending you collateral because you have a profit on your trade. Yeah. And Goldman is saying, where's my fucking collateral? Because you sold me this thing and now you're down money. Yeah. Right. Now you're tying up your balance sheet, which is finite because you've got double collateral. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Obligations. Yeah. Hence the phrase, the bad trades force the good trades out of the market. Of course. Yeah. And um, maybe the world has changed. Maybe that situation doesn't exist anymore, but 
Um, there's just so many ways in a period of panic and you don't have time to sit around and argue. First of all, you may have the best relationship with your counterparty in the world, but it doesn't matter anymore because that relationship is with a human being. He's going to do what his firm's going to tell him to do. Yeah, math, math. Yeah. And, and it's going to be rule number one protect the firm's capital. Yep. Rule number two, protect the firm's capital. Yep. Rule number three, if you're not sure what to do, see rules number one and two. Okay. So um, back again, Jamie Dimon, Stan Druckenmuller, Warren Buffett. Now, look, don't take my word for it. These guys our household names, right? Old chestnuts, just old chestnut. Um, I, I just don't see the logic of having any type of position on now that is quote marginable. So you have your numbers of stocks, right? Okay. Well, God forbid you come in tomorrow, they're down 50%. You, you're going to be bumming. Buying but, everything. <laughs> well, if, if you're liquid, then you can buy. Yeah, yeah. But liquid means cash. It doesn't mean, yeah. you know, money in the Lord Abbott liquid. I know. Right? It, it, it's it's like cash. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like that, that, so, 20, that 20 you had. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. So. One share um, of your daughter. <laughs> one of the things. Uh, I've tried to do over the years, which has yielded a bit of a result. And by the way, um, my anxiety level before these episodes is starting to increase because some of some of the people who are listening now know as much or more about the shit than I do. <laughs> Very dangerous. <laughs> I uh, I was out of town on business and I got a text. And the text was from a number I didn't recognize, so of Good. course, but it said, Hey Morris, it's the cheese, call me. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. So I call up the cheese and he said, I just got done listening to your podcast and it was fantastic. And I'm like, holy shit. It's like you you made my fucking month. So to reverse engineer this, the cheese, his real name is Scott Dorf. And I worked with him at Greenwich Capital for 16 years. Okay. Okay. And with apologies to Anthony Peters, Scott Dorf is hands down the best government bond salesman ever. There's, there's nobody who's a close second to this guy. Point in fact, he was in Michael Lewis's Liar's Poker under the name Dash Riprock. And I know we don't normally do this, but he's on a podcast 
with Michael Lewis that I'll let you find it because I don't need to make Michael Lewis any richer. Mm -hmm. But he talks to Scott Dorff for about 15 minutes. So I was thrilled that that Scott was uh, yeah yeah was was listening. Um, I'm not sure exactly why I, I brought him up, but um, I think it's worth people just to hear some of the old tales and stuff like that. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, uh, we'll find a way that uh, mm -hmm. you, me, mm -hmm. the cheese and Michael Lewis, maybe we'll make a movie or something about old chestnut. But um, um, one of the things that's come up a lot recently uh, is the lead metal. And we uh, waited 30 minutes into the show, folks. <laughs> Here we go. Um, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I have been a trafficker in the lead metal for a couple of years. And uh, so far, it has not yielded a result. Okay. But I speak to you today, okay, because... For the, a while, I believe I'm on record saying it trades like shit. Oh, and yeah. I theorized that perhaps there was a big seller and perhaps the big seller was Russia. And I was soundly rebuked by every professional in the world. Lightly. Only not long after to be discovered to be 100% correct. Mm -hmm. Fair to say? Fair. Accurate. Okay. We, we had that nailed. Right. Okay. So I started thinking about the fact that every smart guy I read and know is all wound up about gold. Okay. Gave Cal, 13D, I, you know, whatever else I read, you know, Kevin Muir, mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. Okay. Ahead, so I'd like to take you back to when I was a young man of the tender age of 19 years old. Yeah, yeah. I just started a Continental Bank in Chicago. And you may recall, I'd mentioned my father had passed away when I was relatively young. And so when it was time to go get like an interview suit, my mother took me to like the discount place. And yeah. I got like, I got a brown winter wool worsted <laughs> suit and i'm going to work in chicago and it's like a hundred degrees right and and at this point i'm just so oblivious to like you know everyone's wearing those cotton tan yeah, suits yeah. or the yeah. seersucker okay yeah. Yeah. but uh, anyway uh i started work early you know like i graduated mm -hmm. but i started working like late may early june when everyone else was starting in september mostly because i was broke and i needed the money and they said i could start so they stuck me in one of these analytical things and because i wasn't on a trading desk i didn't know better and i i went out to lunch and uh continental bank was at 231 south of south street um you could throw a baseball and hit the chicago board of trade right yep, yep. But on the back side of the bank was the First National Bank of Chicago, 
and they had a big plaza out there. I imagine if you went there today, uh, it would look like a trench from World War One. <laughs> yeah, I I, I joke, uh. um, but uh, keeping in mind uh, this was before I met my life partner, I would go out there at lunch because it would be pleasant. There wasn't as much shooting back then, and the secretaries would go, and so you could sit outside, have a sandwich, look at pretty girls in the sunshine, and not bad. Sit sit there in my wool suit. Why do I bring this up? Because after Chicago, they had one of these big signs, and it had all the financial information on it. Prime rate. Yep. Like. I don't know really? anyone ever used that, but you know, the three month bill, yada, and gold. And I don't have the exact number. Uh, I'm sure you'll look it up. Yep, yep. But uh, I, for a round number, remember the thing being around 800 bucks an ounce. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably wrong, but okay. I'm not wrong by a country mile, right? Yeah. Okay. So, Gold closed for a round number around 2000 bucks an ounce. Yep. So um, keeping in mind, I'm not good at math. I invite people to check this, but I put it into this antiquated HP-12C. And I said, you know, if I bought gold at $800 an ounce in 1979 and I sold it, today at 2000 an ounce, what was my compound internal rate of return? Had to be pretty good, right? 800, okay. It's about 2%. (laughs) Now, but wait, but wait, there's more. That's before fees. Gone, it's all gone. (laughs) Okay, so now, What's happened is, is what typically happens is people are doing this thing, and I'm culpable of this too, Mm sort of, but people do this thing they call backtesting. And so they look at all this data, and then they go, well, let's say we go back X number of years, and if we had bought this combination of things, how would it have worked out? Well, now that gold is it the all-time fucking high they're coming up with these oh the perfect scenario is 25 percent gold 25 percent cash 25 percent equities 25 percent long-term bonds and they it's like it beats everything it's got a sharp ratio of perfect never mm. lose any money it's the best thing ever and all i can think of is you know if you bought gold at 800 it got, it went down to like two hundred. Oh, I, I don't know how I don't know how good you were feeling. And here's the problem with back testing. Okay, it's hypothetical. It ain't real. So talk about having a religious experience. Somebody will come to you, and they'll say, "Look at this example. I back tested this. Every time it gets to this level, it bounces. You make all this money, and you're like." Uh, why is it going to work? Well, because it always has. Yeah. Which for me, never a real good reason. Yeah. What's going to make it work this time? What's the catalyst to make it work? 
Because it always has. Okay. Fine. Go take your capital and just... And so what happens is some of these things work. Mm -hmm. Some of these things go in the shitter. And what happens 90% of the time is the bad tester blows it out at the low only to have it do what in the past was called a, re a reverse Rodriguez and goes all the way back. <laughs> and the bad tester is now pulled all his hair out because yep, yep. he rode the thing all the way down, sold out at the low, yep. only to see it ram right up in his face, right? So, yeah, gold's a 2,000 ounce. Yeah. All I want to say is what I said. Could it be 4,000 an ounce? Sure. Could it be 1,000 bucks an ounce? Sure. Yep. But the missing ingredient here okay is i think of these things as sort of a wealthy guy and how do you want to protect your assets right so i gave you the long story about the ltcm guys talking about how they were buying investment wine that way they could give it to their kids and avoid estate taxes even in that show succession they talk about how there was a bunch of investment class paintings in the vault so mm -hmm. they could avoid the estate taxes, Amazing. right? Yeah. So people go through these things. Mm -hmm. And for your average bear, the stuff makes sense, right? But when you got a chunk of dough, it's a different, it's a different game. Like if you have $5 million worth of gold, Okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to mm -hmm. waste the time now, but if you got $5 million worth of gold, I'm guessing you could bring your F-150 and we could put it in the back and throw a tarp over it and we could drive it somewhere. Right. Yeah. Okay. What do you do with $250 million worth of gold? I, I'm guessing that's a lot of weight. Right. Yeah. And now, and this is a little, Forgive me for getting a little silly, but then you get in this situation like the Scarface. Like, it's like, Chugata Yeho? <laughs> yeah. Well, where is it? It's yeah. nearby. Chugata yeah. Money? Yeah. yeah. Where is it? It's nearby. Yeah. So, yeah. How, how are you yeah. going to take your $200 million worth of gold? Yeah. I guess you could drive it to Switzerland. Because right. they're as honest, they're as honest as day as long, and they'll deal with anyone. Yeah. Is one of our, is one of our listeners wrote in, which was priceless. It's like, thank God the Swiss are neutral. Could you imagine? <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, I look for things that are off the beaten track to kind of give me the straws in the wind, right? And um, I mentioned a few weeks ago how uh, you would get um, claims for disability for Social Security. They would go up ahead of recessions, and, and maybe that's happening, maybe not. But the other thing that's happening is 
you get these economic numbers that are complicated, meaning there's a lot of assumptions built in. And I think the poster child for these things are the employment data, which is why I like the regional survey stuff, because it's, it's pretty straightforward, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason I think we're in this sea change to steal the words from Howard Marks, I think, um, is because we're seeing peculiar outcomes in employment statistics. I'll give you two examples. I believe last Friday's non-farm payroll number was substantially uh, larger than expected. And I remember right away asking EG, what, what, we need to find out why, why that was, right? Well, um, I, he and I lost track of that thread, but I read somewhere that the birth death rate added some ginormous number of um, jobs. You may recall in previous episodes, I would say that as the economy changes, certain things tend to lag, right? So they were probably assuming businesses were getting created, even though yep, yep. most people, okay. So sea change. Then uh, the claims number, which looked um, pretty bullish, I guess, apparently in um, one of our listeners who I believe is in Massachusetts, and because the traffic was so heavy, he couldn't come down to pick up any gummies. Um, apparently, the, the bulk of the change in the claims number had to do with some artifact in Massachusetts. Okay, so now, once again, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. What I'm saying is, these are the types of artifacts you see as you get the sea change. And sea changes are never smooth. That's just not the nature of the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got Howard Marks talking about the change in economic environment. You got um, Jamie Diamond. You got Stan Druckenmuller. You got Warren Buffett. You want to fart around, yeah, you go run and play. But when you skin your knee, I'm going to laugh. <laughs> I'm going to laugh. In yeah. fact, it's going to be a guffaw. That's <laughs> how much I'm going to laugh. As you claudicantly walk to me and Liam, yeah. we're going to be laughing at you. <laughs> so I, I had another matter, which I didn't have a chance to discuss with you. You got time. Um, but I, I'm sorry? You got plenty of time. Oh, um, I checked this with, uh, it came out of the marketing department, mm. but we ran it by legal. Mm -hmm. Okay. We don't take advertising. We don't ask for charity, this or that. But the marketing department came up with an idea that we have an auction. Okay. And what, and what we're going to auction off is lunch at my house, you and me, and the auction winner, and we're going to have Shannon Day's 
award-winning brisket wow. and a bottle of 1997 Harlan Estate. Jeez. And that's that's going to go to the highest bidder. I already have a bid for $10,000 for that. Oh. And if you want to bid, send Liam a note. Yeah. And I think we'll leave it up for three or four weeks. Okay. And are you amenable to that? Yeah. Kidding me? Okay. <laughs> Sign me yeah. up. So I checked somebody and he said he'd easily pay 10 grand for that. Wow. So I I suspect this is going to go for a stunningly large number. Let me just tell the listeners, there have been times where I have showed up at MD's house and walked out on the back patio and there have been celebrities there. <laughs> celebrity. <laughs> where I had to act like, like I wasn't starstruck, okay? <laughs> I'm not gonna name names, but you never know. You never, you never know. know. You're gonna be over there, okay? You never know. No, all right. Um, so just I haven't really worked through the whole thing, but let's give it three or four weeks. Yeah. The winner inside baseball, inside baseball cast at Gmail. Inside baseball cast at Gmail. The winner gets to choose the charity. Mm -hmm. It has to be a 501c3 organization. And the check has to clear before you get the meal. Mm -hmm. And then it's up to the winner if they want to remain anonymous mm -hmm. or not. And this so, could be a star-studded affair. This could snowball into some people that have been nagging you and me for a dinner. This we, this could contribute yeah. to something yeah. so bigger than what you even – since this is breaking news to me, folks. Okay, I, like, I, I've been out of the office all week, so I didn't hear about this. Okay, but I can, yeah. I can as the gears start turning, I can think of some extremely important, powerful people that have been nagging you and I for a dinner. Okay, that yeah, might right. might be interested in this, and this could become an amalgamation of the minds. Okay, like, <laughs> well, we'll see if nobody shows up. Then. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had fun. we've had that happen too. <laughs> Those are fun. <laughs> You and I rarely have failed to have a good time. Right. So um, in terms of looking at uh, the market, I, I, I've beaten this dead horse, but I'm going to I'm going to take one more whack at it. So I'm kind of violating copyright law, but I don't care. Sue me. Um, I told you I've invested in a number of funds over the years, mostly disappointed. But one group has done a spectacular job, and they write an annual letter, and um, I, as soon as it comes, I read it. Okay, Now, it clearly states at the beginning, under no circumstances, are, okay, so I'm not going to say who it is, but I underlined a paragraph of their letter. Now, I've had my money with these guys for... 10 years, it's a it's a legitimate 20 IRR, not a bullshit, right? I mean, okay. So this is what they wrote. As we discuss further in this letter, we believe we are in the midst of a transitional period in both real estate and investment markets more broadly that, while potentially painful in the near term, should lead to a more fertile investment environment than we have enjoyed in quite some time. So two things, guys, another 
group of guys that I respect. Okay. See a bumpy road. And uh, they think there'll be some good opportunities. But the key is you got to be alive to be there for those opportunities. Yeah, yeah. And if you got your money tied up in, you know, POS security, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not getting an invite to the party. Yeah. So um, is it going to happen tomorrow? Is it going to happen the next day? I don't know. But, you know. The, the bank constriction is for fucking real. Yeah. And the uh, quantitative tightening, you know, while disrupted because of the Silicon Valley bank dynamic yeah. is yeah. carrying on. And even uh, Jerome Powell, I believe, said he expects it to be bumpy. And so all you guys. June, you getting a June hike? They're going to hike in June? I don't think so, only because they got plausibility to take a break. Like, I, I don't, I think the slowdown in the inflation gives them a chance to take a break. What struck me as interesting is, and I, I won't get this exactly right, but I think Friday you had the UMish, uh, and so yeah. the, the, exp expected conditions uh was bad but the expected inflation rate was higher which you know that's not what the fed wants to see because it means mm -hmm. inflation expectations are becoming unanchored that being said i i wouldn't expect a june hike mm -hmm. just because they can take a breath and you know uh, as Lacey Hunt says, you know, the, the economy has long and variable lags or monetary policy. And uh, I, I don't think by waiting a meeting, it, it could make things worse and it could make things better. So it's an asymmetrical thing. But I, I still believe, I still believe that uh, if the inflation numbers don't continue to move in the right direction first and foremost is the uh inflation rate because as he keeps saying appropriately so it hurts those least able to afford it and uh yeah yeah so uh again we urge caution i think a four percent to you know it's pretty tasty and uh you know if you can find these idiosyncratic things yeah. Right. You know, you you find a rental building that, you know, someone's got to sell in a hurry and it's distressed and you do the homework and sh check the rent rolls and it's, a you know, a six or seven cap or something, you know, that kind of thing. Or I, I think maybe I'm kidding myself. You still feel good about your real estate? Um, no. Yeah. yeah. It's complicated. It's complicated because I got I touched three buckets. I touched the the residential, so the apartment rental. That stuff's bid without. I I don't mean like buyers of my buildings, but I mean the 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 rental market is just it's insane. It's insane. 
Because they can't and, buy anything. You can't buy like Manhattan. If you can't, you you can't buy a. If you want a one bedroom apartment in a decent neighborhood, they want they want one point five million bucks. And so if you don't have your one point five million, you're gonna rent it for five thousand or forty eight hundred dollars a month or whatever it is. It's nuts. Yeah, it's well, it's just the math, right? Yeah. And part of this is something that other people have touched on. Maybe we have is if you own a house with a fixed rate mortgage, you're kind of stuck because even though you have a mark to market profit on your financing, that's not monetizable, right? You can't go to the bank and say, Mm -hmm. I'll make you a deal. If you, the bank's going to go like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you sell your house, the bank gets its money back. You go buy another house. You're going to, the mortgage rates, I mean, the mortgage rates literally double. Mm-hmm. And yeah. most people, most people buy houses based on monthly payments. Well, you know, so you have this bifurcation of the buyers are stymied because the um, interest rates are up and the sellers are stymied because they've got not artificially low rates, but they locked in rates at much more attractive levels. So I don't really in the interim see how that clears the market until they bring more supply on, which would be new supply, meaning construction. And that gets complicated because the bank's tightening lending standards. So I, I think, you know, all things considered, um, you know, do I like my real estate position? I, I, I do because on the residential stuff, it's all fixed rate. We got five or six years to go. The commercial stuff, we have what are called credit tenants, meaning they're, they're going to pay their rent. Understood. And then in the office area, which I'm, a bit anxious about, you know, we're about six to nine months away from being able to start marketing. And what I understand is if you have an antiquated, you know, class B or class C building in Midtown, New York, you know, kiss your ass goodbye, you know, maybe I'm fucked too, but we're going to have, you know, all the bells and whistles with security and um, amenities and floor plates such that if you're a small business, small relatively, or you're a family office, you know, it's the perfect size for you to take the whole floor. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And if it doesn't work, then I'm going to lose some money, but uh, you know, I won't be the first time. Um, So, uh, but uh, if I were in Blackstone's REIT or whatever that thing is, you're not getting out. <laughs> uh, in the barrel. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's going on with that thing. But it's a big. It's a lot of big numbers. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's uh, when it comes right down to it, I I, I want to be again, you know, hyper vigilant about, you know understand who you are what are your circumstances because when 
the all correlations go to one, you know, no one's helping anybody. And, and in a lot of ways, it's not because they don't want to. They just, there's just not an option. And, you know, your TD Ameritrade, you're not even going to be able to click sell. That thing's going to get kludged up. And uh, it's going to be like, if you're margined, that'll be gone. And by the time five years from now, when your case goes to arbitration, because you signed away your right yeah, yeah. To, to go to civil trial, um, it's going to be a board of four people who are in the securities industry and you whining about your shitty fill. And I, I don't predict success yeah. on that Dude, thing. Robin Hood, 24 hours a day now. Did you see that? Do you have a thoughts on that? <laughs> it's a good idea. Right? I don't. This is a family show. Right. Is that is Robinhood one of those free trading platforms? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crashes when the stuff goes up and down. Yeah, it's 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 comical. It's comical. You know, I, every time I hear about the free brokerage, I just, yeah. I, 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 it's just like, it's come on, really, free, yeah. really, yeah. really. So, anyway, uh, that's all I got. Yeah. I don't know if I can wait a month to eat that last of Shannon's brisket. I, I might have to see if he'll send me another one. Dude, nothing going on in Bitcoin. You want to talk about Bitcoin? We didn't mention Bitcoin this week. Is there been any, what a disaster. Remember that? <laughs> it was good. That was good content for our show while it lasted. <laughs> I'm you know, I, I think you had said some comments about Tether. Oh yeah. The right, weird right. the weird the weird thing is. Because the overnight rate's five percent now, that scam they may get away with it. But the last I read, they still don't have an audit attestation. Please. And and I I don't understand what era Gary Gensler is from and Letitia James, New York. What are these people anti-Diluvian? You know it's. <laughs> No, that's that's Diane Feinstein. Dude, who's who got bent out of shape about my weekend at Bernie's thing? That was hilarious. Oh, it wasn't bent out of shape. It was okay. like it was like awesome. And I'm yeah. like, well, we got a team of people, and then it's like <laughs> team. I said, yeah. What do you think? We can produce this just me and Liam. Yeah, right. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of work that goes yeah. on to this fucking thing. Dude, I read an article this week, and like it was either the, the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal, but somebody said. Dude, they wheeled her in in a wheelchair, and she said, where am I going? <laughs> Come on. Like, I'm just reporting the news here. I'm not back on, on Mrs. Feinstein here. But, like, if you're going to wheel her in and she's going to ask where is she going, that's that's not indicative of, like, a great system or, like, clear thought or decision-making. That's not that's not what's best for the future of America. Um, that's just my opinion, you know? <laughs> I guess. You know, our friend Anthony Peters wrote an article and um as he does regularly and it started out has america finally lost its marbles <laughs> and he talks about not the politicians so much but he said since the beginning of the year um there's been 185 mass shootings jesus 
254 deaths and 708 wounded. And as he points out, there's a war in a Ukraine. War. A shooting war. Only 200 people have died. It's amazing. And it's like, let's put this thing in perspective. There was a quote I read that I wanted to bring up. And hopefully I'll be able to find the thing. Okay. When plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men in a society, over the course of time, they create for themselves a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. Now, I mention this because I've said this before. Bill Gates invents a software package, makes himself insane amount of money. Elon Musk builds an electric car, makes himself an insane amount of money. The guy running Apple, okay, what's he get paid? Two, three, four hundred million? Mm -hmm. The guy running Google, what's he get paid? Two, three, four hundred million dollars? Listen to me when I tell you this. Look me in the eye, okay? They'll do that job for free. They will do that job for free. Mm. And the board of directors, these people that are anointed to be fiduciaries, okay, are part of this system, this legal system, because they do what they need to do to observe. Mm -hmm. And then they go and they say, well, the guy at Apple gets 500 million. So the Google guy should get 500 million. And by the way, I get a million and a quarter for being on the board. Plus using the CIFL rules, which we described at nauseum two weeks ago, they're flying around for the price of a full class coach ticket. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you expect, and, and, and I'm not defending politicians, but how do you get politicians to behave appropriately when they're watching these knuckleheads draw down huge sums of money? And I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I just, what's the, what's the risk? Apple board says, you know, Tim, look, doing a great job. A lot of value to shareholders. Uh, we're going to try and, and uh, go without you. But if you want to stick around as the head guy and make 25 million bucks, we're, we're good. But, you know, we get if that doesn't work for you. But by the way, we got 50 people behind you that are willing to do it for less. Yeah. Okay. And it's the same thing. And all these firms, including Goldman. And by the way, you know what I realized? This is this is awful. Uh, so Muff's kids. It's been a few weeks since I went after my favorite target. Mm-hmm. I won't mention his name. Sure. But you know what a loser this guy is? Oh yeah. He wasn't even hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> Didn't make the cut. He did not make the cut, dude. Yeah, because. Because Jeffrey knew 
he was a loser yeah. and no one would care. Nobody would care. Like dude. Bill Clinton, people would care. Dershowitz, people. Has anyone seen Larry Page? You just talked about Google and you talked about Epstein. You know Larry Page is missing? You know Larry Page, who, the, one of the founders of Google? They asked him to testify. The Virgin Islands government asked him to testify in the Epstein thing. Larry Page yeah. has been on the run for a few weeks now. You guys can look it up. Been on the I, run. I believe you. No, I saw that. What's he What's he worried about? Exactly. Huh? What, yeah. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Inquiry lines want to know. I, have you checked page six? Usually they're the first guys to. So. Well, anyway, it's good to be back. Thank you, my and, friend. And uh, uh, tell hope, investors uh, to sit on their hands for another week. Hey, I did it. It's amazing, right? Unprecedented. Like, yeah, it's 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 shocking. I didn't even like swap T bills. I mean, I did literally fucking nothing. <laughs> you know, I I I can quit anytime I want. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. Right. Seek you, help. <laughs> have a great week. Thanks. Take care. All right. Bye. Uh.